G'day ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another Guitar Wank Podcast. I am your host, Troy McCubbin. Thank you so much for joining us, wherever you are in the world, uh, whatever you're doing. We really appreciate the support and you're listening in. We hope you are enjoying all the podcasts. So, Bruce, we're on. Troy, my commitment level knows no bounds. Right? You get off. Knows no bounds. Where? Not only did I get off the plane, I left New Zealand after a long day of teaching. A long day of teaching in Wellington. Went straight from there because I checked out of the hotel at 8 in the morning. 8 in the morning. <laughs> and. Wow. Taught all day, 4 or 4.30, we raced to the airport, got on a flight to Auckland, and then got on a flight to the United States. That's a long 12-hour flight. Of Americas. G- got, arrived in L.A., got to my car at the, you know, one of those lots with the shuttles that takes forever. <laughs> right at like 10 to 5 on a Friday. <laughs> Great timing. So and then I worked my way all the way across town. And here I am on the couch at the podcast, and we're scot-free because, of course, Scott had, you know, a migraine or a, his period or something. <laughs> no, actually, actually, Scott had a date with his daughter, and of course, I don't begrudge that. That's that's a beautiful thing. If I had I a daughter, if I had a daughter, I would hope that I had had a date with her. <laughs> so uh, we're going to be scot-free tonight. I'm I'm a bit jet lagged, crispy critter, but I'm ready to go. <laughs> Well, you didn't bring any sheep back with you. No, they the they over the, they're really tough on baggage. <laughs> New Zealand, they are. They're they're notorious. They really? Are? Yeah, yeah, it's really true. Wow. Like I flew over um, 
there was a big band from Cal State Northridge that went over on the same flight as us. So there's all these kids, <laughs> and they're all thinking they're going to bring their instruments on the plane. And of course, I have experienced New Zealand air, so I, oh, I they know don't have it. They went in your guitar. Where'd that go? No, I have a Carlton case. Oh, so and I check okay. it. Yeah. Okay. Oh yeah, that's like, yeah. They look at you stupid, just like yeah. You know, I mean, they take it away. It would if it could be in a pa- it could be in a paper bag, and they take it away from you. Wow, there's so no the, way. So the kids, luckily, you know, they they checked it and at the gate, so they didn't pay the over baggage, which I did. But they, um, you know, they made it right. because they put it up with the strollers. They didn't put it back right. with the regular. But, but I, you know, I. It's just like that's the way it is on some of these international companies. They don't have the same rules as the states does, and even the states, you know, sometimes they decide that you can't bring it on. There's numerous times where I've gotten to the gate and says, "No, you can't bring that on," you know. And if it's in a gig bag, you know, you're worried. I mean, chances are it'll go with the strollers, like I say, and it won't get hurt. But God, I used to take it. It's just, it's just, you know, if you're going to be traveling all the time. You got to be prepared for the worst, right? So I have a Carlton case, and then I also carry it in my suitcase a really cheapo twenty dollar Guitar Center gig bag, right? That just rolls up like a shirt, basically. Yeah. And then um, when I get there, if I'm going to be in one town for a while, I'll just put the guitar in the gig bag and carry it around, so I don't have to carry the heavy case around. That's a good idea, and it, it works great, man. Those Carlton cases, particularly the new ones, I have old ones too. Yeah, the new ones are better yeah. i mean they're they're lighter weight they're just as strong they're lighter weight the handles are better placed and made of better stuff so they're way easier yeah. to carry and uh you know hey you know well welcome welcome back i don't know why work. i got on that but yeah <laughs> i'm here he's here i can't be held responsible for too much of what i say i i did sleep a little bit on the plane i'm just trying to did recalibrate you watch any movies yeah i watched three or four <laughs> anything good uh, yeah, yeah. I, I saw Get Out. Oh. I had never seen that. That was great. About, about the white guy and all the black people want to, like, kill him? No, that's the opposite. Uh. <laughs> that's life. That's... <laughs> no, no, no. No, no. no I, what I mean is, no, Get Out is like life. The no, I, black guys, yeah, all the get white out people want to be That movie was just so yeah. close to home. It was yeah. ridiculous. It, it, but, it, but no, I thought it was a great movie because... It, it really, as funny as it was, and as cool as the story was, it was like a horror movie. Well, I mean, you know, like, like, like the ending, of course, you know, was so ridiculous. And it didn't matter because it was a horror movie. If it had been like some sort of drama movie, then you go, well, wait a minute, that could have never happened, you know, and that could have <laughs> never happened. But since this was kind of a horror movie, or at least that was the way it was. It won an thing, Oscar. It, it deserved it. It was great. Did I, you, I didn't I en- think it was... I enjoyed the hell out of it. I, I enjoyed it, but I didn't think Oscar. But I just thought, wow, if that wins an Oscar, I think more horror movies should be up for Yeah, Oscars. and, um, you know, it was really... It kind of blurred the lines of a lot of cool stuff, you know. And, of course, made a lot of great cultural statements. Uh, what else did I see? Oh, man, I watched Mamma Mia. Oh, fuck. How the fuck did you sit through that? It, it, <laughs> It was sappy and stupid. I just got to admit, I like Meryl Streep. There's something about her. I just like her. You want to do it, don't you? Uh, I, you know, whatever. <laughs> How did... I've, what do you was mean? this I've, at I've the already, end? I've already done her. <laughs> no, uh, you, mean, you mean play with her, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. Uh, yeah. No, is this the end of the movie? Like, this wasn't the first movie you chose. This is like... 
just, well, no, I mean, this I just, is the I last had, movie I had you watched. to see it. It's a musical. I, you know, it's got all that music that you know we know that I've that I personally have have an attitude about. You know, and and I like to challenge myself. You know, like that move, that music. You know, they they wrote a lot of a lot of music for that, and it was orchestrated pretty damn well. You know, there was a lot of. There's a lot of quality in that. You know, I mean, you might not like the substance of it, and I, I, I agree with you. There's a lot of it I don't either. It was a sappy story, but it was beautiful Greek islands I'm, and beautiful I'm sorry. people I'm to just, look at. I'm just past. I can't do musicals. It's very rarely I can okay. do a musical. Well, anyways, I mean, I'm not going to suggest anybody go out and see it, but there I'm stuck, in, <laughs> I'm stuck in prison, and it's one of the movies that's available, and I know I'm never going to watch it unless I do it right now, so I do it. I'd watch it if I knew it. Why? This is going to help me get to sleep but yeah and, and i was hoping for that but um <laughs> it didn't work uh all i can tell my listeners are like what the fuck they started off with guitar cases now they're talking about no no what else did I, what, you know i mean i think oh and i watched this old this classic called um the lady killers which was uh, albert finney and one of peter seller's first movies oh wow and I and about great. these guys, these guys who were who had did a heist of a, of a, like an armored car in Britain, and they lived in some old lady's house, a boarding house, and she got onto them, and she just screwed up the whole thing, and it <laughs> just go, it completely goes yeah, it's it's like a dark comedy, right. it goes completely left in every way possible, and it was really funny. Have you seen the party? Yes, it was. Bef- I think it was before that movie, and it's very much like that. If you could imagine like a heist movie right. like that, that that would be it. And uh, but more British, right? Not American. And that was fun. And oh, and of course, uh, Meryl Streep. I watched about twenty minutes of Bridges of Madison County as we left, as we, which is one of the sappiest movies and sappiest stories of all time. But still, like I'm a sentimental guy, and I can just totally be manipulated <laughs> with that stuff. Do you, do you, do you cry? On yeah, kind of. I went through a moment in time where every movie, even it'd be a comedy, for some reason yeah, I'd cry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know. <laughs> like, you know. And I'd try and hide my tears from the rest of the passengers, but yeah, it was pretty, it was a weird moment. Man, you know, own, your, own that stuff, man. right? Your sensitive side. Yeah, well, I got pretty sensitive there for a while. Yeah, you know. I think it was because I was going to Russia. <laughs> I was crying. Yeah. Why am I going to Russia? I hear that'll do it to, to you. I've never been there, so I wouldn't know. <laughs> well, after about seven, eight times. But on the way over, crying. I saw another movie. I saw about four movies there. <clears throat> and what was it? It was called like something about Stalin. Oh. It was about Stalin dying and all the guys. Oh, okay. Steve Buscemi's in it. It was really. How was that? It was like a wacky comedy. Right. It was really good. I enjoyed it. I know the movie you're talking about. But I yeah, it was really good. The, so, st- the Stalin murder or the Stalin. The st- I don't know. You know. So everyone's dying to know why the fuck you were in New Zealand. Who were you in New Zealand with? Uh, I believe I told us. Uh, some guitar wankers who've been paying attention know. Um, not you, <laughs> It was of a month, it was months you, ago. Not you, of course. Not you, of course. I went over. 
Uh, there's this produce, promoter over there named Roger Fox, and he's a great, guitar, uh, great trombone player and runs a big band. And he's actually been knighted over there. Even he's like a real cultural icon, wow. dude. He's really done more for jazz over there than anybody. And I've been going over there actually for th over 30 years with him. How many years? How many times you've been in New Zealand? Oh, over a dozen, I think. Wow. I was actually, for a while, I was an uh, artist in residence at one of the universities there, so I went four times that year Damn. just for that. Yeah. So um, I love it. It's a great country. Yeah. I went. This was part of a kind of a jazz festival. Uh, he had Robin Ford, mm -hmm. who was featured with his big band, and he had Lydia Pence, who's a singer with Cold Blood. She was featured with his big band. Uh, Larry Kuntz was there with a trio. And I was there solo, and I did the red guitar, and if the shows were shorter, I would just get up and play solo and tell stories and yep. tell jokes and stuff. Wow. And so it was, uh, and, and we did some teaching master classes, and there was a, a, a jazz festival which we were like adjudicating high school and college bands. Yeah. So that was kind of my two weeks down there. It was great. I pretty much every concert, every hang I did was with Larry Kuntz, and what a phenomenal guitar player he is wow you know Larry. it's really inspiring does he go by Kuntzy no just Kuntz <laughs> just Kuntz <laughs> Kuntzy would be nice though <laughs> Kuntzy Lair yeah hey you Kuntz hey you bunch of Kuntz <laughs> yeah, right, you know. I really I want to have him on the show he would yes he wants to come on he, we talked about it it's just a matter you know again I mean I know everybody's thinking we're like you know we, we just want to hog it and listen to the sound of our own voice but you know, lining our schedule up with other people is that is, we can never is, get on schedule wise. And it's it's like a yeah. podcast. It's it's not like we're on broadcast radio where they're gonna you well, know. It's not like no one's getting anyone's getting paid, but yeah. it is hard to get. Like I know we've got a yes from John Jorgensen. Yeah, we've got a yes from a lot of high. Joe Bonamassa wants to come on. Bonamassa I mean, wants to come on. But I mean, it's just a matter Scheduling. of lining up schedules. You people know? have got way more important <coughs> shit to do than well, guitar I, well, they, they think they've got more important. <laughs> Thank stuff. you. They do. You're right. Well, I'd love to have Larry on. That'd be awesome. Well, great, and uh, we'll get him on. And I hope I'm being energetic enough for everybody. <laughs> but I'm a little jet lagged here, you know, and uh, I haven't even showered. You can smell. So I mean, that it's New pretty Zealand nasty. Jet lag. It's pretty smells. nasty. Beautiful. Um, you so you you went, you got to hang with Larry a lot. You yeah. hung with Robin. Hung with Robin quite a bit too. Robin's doing good. Yeah, he's yeah he sounds great. He's, yeah. He seems in good spirits. He's a big inspiration for me when I was real young. You know, like high school age. He was. He's about four years older than me, mm -hmm. and. Um, He's from sort of the same part of the country. Is he? From, He's from yeah, U, so a town called Ukiah, which is north of San Francisco, about a hundred some oh, wow. miles. And uh, so, you know, Keystone Corn was happening. He, and he was playing, he was the guitar player in Jimmy Witherspoon's band, who was right. a great blues singer. Yep. And so I got to hear him a lot in that configuration. And I once heard him, I think it was called the Mark Ford Band, and I believe Mark Ford is his brother, the harmonica player. That's right, yeah. Right. And, uh... Well, how long you guys then, known and then, I, and then I heard Robin when he started his own band down here in L.A., a good friend of mine, Russell Ferranti, who I played with a lot in the Bay Area, lived down here and was in the band with Russell. And yeah, so I would come down here and work, you know, Dante's and Carmelo's and all those clubs and do clinics at MI, 
hang with Russell, and then go listen to him play with Robin. Oh, well, was that and with that, the that Yellow band, that, and this, that was the band that became the Yellow Jackets. Oh, okay. Yep. I guess Robin wanted to go in one direction, and like Jimmy Haslip and Ricky Lawson and, Ra and Russell, I guess they had a different idea of what direction they wanted to go. So they kind of split up, mm -hmm. and it became the Yellow Jackets after Robin oh, okay. went another direction. Yep. But it was that band... <clears throat> that was the Robin Ford band, and man, I heard that band right. a lot. Yeah, I would, you know, go out of my way. I was kind of a groupie. It was wow. so great to hear those guys. Was Robin back then? Was his style pretty much kind of his vibe? What he's got going on now? Is Similar, it very definitely? Yeah, yeah, definitely a lot of things going on. I think, I think it wasn't, and I don't even want to. I don't know. It was. It wasn't as commercial or poppy or what. You know, I mean. Like, he's kind of moved in a little bit more, you know, like the Larry Carlton thing really, I think, influenced him where yep. Larry was going and Steely Dan and where the music was going at that point. And I think uh, he kind of followed down that road for a while. But from, from the sound of his playing now, like what I just experienced, uh, he seems to be back to his roots, he's playing blues, and his singing is so great. Mm. I mean, really, if... If I didn't know better from the show I saw, I would think he was a, a blues singer and not a blues guitar player. He played guitar, but the guitar really wasn't, to me, the featured part of the show. Wow. His singing, I mean, they did a version of Still Crazy After All These Years, mm -hmm. a big band version. And I mean, he sang it, you know, and I'm a Paul Simon freak. He sang it better than Paul Simon. Wow. I just really loved it. Yeah. Robin's a real talented, He's got a very interesting bunch of personalities inside him that, mm -hmm. that that really come out in his music. There's like a like there's a conflict of this super nice guy, but this super uh, you know forward you know aggressive guy. There's this guy who's meek and humble and probably into Eastern mythology. Yet there's this guy who's the, in the blues. You know what I mean? It's yeah. He kind of got the long hair, but he's really not a hippie, you know. I mean, there's, <laughs> right. there's just so many. I mean, and I think that really adds to like the texture, the dynamic of of his art, right? You know, all those all those elements, all those elements that yep. really are there, and you know, and he doesn't like a good artist shouldn't. I don't think there's any holding, filtering, or holding back of it. You know, he just lets you. Yeah, and he had this really great gold top. He was playing really cool sounding guitar. He, I mean, I discovered I got into Robin when, when "Talk to Your Daughter" came out. Uh huh. But um, he's really known. I mean, besides his playing, but he's one of those tone guys that has a distinct sound that you know it's Robin Ford, which is yeah. I heard I was watching a um, Paul Reed Smith and um, David Grissom talk about one of their pro their guitars or whatever and they're talking about the three note players where you know after three notes you can tell who it is and that's a pretty small group of players i would imagine that you know there's not many players that after three notes you can tell <coughs> who it is right it's probably is it tell me tell me this and this is just at a just because you're a jazz legend and i'm just a, well, I'm guitar a jazz one. legend right <laughs> i'm a jazz rumor 
All right, so you're you're a jazz rumor, <laughs> and, uh, and I'm a guitar wank host rumor. Um, when I think of tone, and it's just because of my background, but I think of you know, Robin Ford, the Larry Carlton's, that I I don't necessarily <coughs> go back to the greats that you grew up with. Do you? But they still have that. Too, yeah, they still have. I mean, you, was you that would know important? Wes. You would know Wes in three I would, notes. You I would know, know Django Wes. in three I know notes. Django. You know Eddie Lang in three notes. Right. Probably if you knew who he was. Uh, would you know Pass in three notes? I would. Yep. I would. Okay. But I mean, I can understand how other people would. I'd know Jim Hall in three notes. Right. And and as much for the tone as the notes. Right. Okay. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you would know Scott. With, Scott's got a unique sound. Uh, yeah, yes. I, uh, Maybe yes. not on his blues no, and no, stuff. No, no, no. I would know. Yeah, and, and, and again, you know, for, for the various reasons, it's not always just the tone. Yeah. And Scott's sound has changed over the years. Oh, yeah. And um, Scott I mean, did have horrible sound at one point. Huh? He had, Scott had horrendous sound at one point. Did he tell you that? No, I, I know. Oh. <laughs> I, I don't remember. That. I don't remember him saying that. No, he would. He. I'm saying that because he's not. <laughs> he did. I remember those first videos he did. It was he had that chorus thing going on, and to me, that is the most horrendous sound a guitar player could ever make. But that was. So the you're time. a Pat Metheny fan. No. Early Pat Metheny fan. Yeah, Anyways, but yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. I mean, it's funny how that is. It's like we spend so much time with our playing and yet it's our sound that really is our signature that that sets us apart i mean the the, the if you look at the five most famous you know guitar players in jazz right now you know they're not really are they the you know they're not you know, it's not the playing. I mean, it is the playing, but it's who, the sound. Like it? Pat Metheny, he's got a distinct sound. Bill Frizzell, he's got a distinct sound. You know, John Schofield, mm. very distinct sound. You know, I mean, so... And, of course, that sound fits in, you know, the way they play. But, you know, really, I mean, and we're talking about not just, like, well-known in the jazz world. We're talking about well-known by everybody. Right. Um, so yeah I mean I would think that the sound thing is a real important part of it and I agree that I mean Robin's always had a great sound he told me you know we talked about Dumble that's interesting together because he's, yeah. he's he's had a relationship with Alexander yeah, for, for a long time because you know he's up from that area and that's where Alexander's from I saw Robin Ford in an interview say that Dumble actually built his his Dumble amp after seeing Robin play in clubs up in the Bay Area. Yeah, he Robin told me, and I've not asked Alexander that, and I and I, I am going to try to get him on this show. I, I I think that there's I feel that there's a possibility. I wouldn't. That would be 50%. amazing. We'd probably end Guitar Wank after that. Right, right. right. That we can make that a hundred. But, <laughs> but um, Dumble. Yeah, but. Robin feels that the overdrive special amp that he made was brought on by what he heard Robin doing. Through a basement? He had a basement and he had a super. Right. Uh, you know, he heard Robin doing that and he felt that there was a better way to get that. And so Robin told me, and I haven't talked to Alexander about this, but I would... 
I have no reason to doubt Robin on this. Right. You know, I know they're buds and they're very tight, and they, you know, and and Robin's Robin's not a bullshitter. Yeah. I mean, that's not something that I really, you know. I mean, I didn't walk away going, "God, that guy's full of shit." Ever, mm -hmm. ever, yeah. ever. So, um, yeah, I can understand. Like they kind of came up with the over idea for the Overdrive special amp together. Yeah, you know, because he was, you know, I've. I've heard some of those tapes from those gigs. You know, I didn't take them, but I've you know they're out there. People who tape those gigs of Jimmy Witherspoon and stuff yep. when he was playing his Super Four Hundred, and I didn't remember him being as distorted as those tapes were. Hmm. You know, you know. Of course, it could have been different nights. Who, Robin? Yeah, I don't right. remember Robin being that distorted. You know, for, in my memory. I mean, it didn't seem to be like a thing that I remembered about it. I just remember this amazing playing. This guy could just literally elevate the bandstand. He'd play a solo and the thing would just like, just about levitate right wow. out of the fucking world. This is before Miles, right? Oh, long before right. that. Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He must have been, if I was probably 16 or 17, he's in 21. Yeah. You know? Wow. Yeah, oh, I yeah. did. I do. Um, I think it's on one of Robin's True Fire videos. He talks about how when he sat with Larry Carlton, and he wasn't a rhythm player, and he didn't really know how to play rhythm. Yeah, that was so crazy to hear a guy like that talk. That like Larry was like, "Dude, what are you fucking doing?" You know? yeah. it's kind of interesting. But so you guys got to hang. Um, you and Larry played a lot. Me and Larry, we we actually did play quite a bit. Uh, you know, I was kind of the, I'd either do the red guitar show or do a, just a solo yep. Tommy Emanuel-esque thing where I play and tell stories and tell jokes and sing songs and whatever. Um, and then Larry would play trio. Right. And then I would come on and join him either with the, with the backup guys or sometimes it would just be us duo. Right, yeah. That would be a typical show on that tour. It was great, man. Getting to hang with Larry, getting to just be friends, getting to know him better. I've known his dad for a long time. Have you ever played with guitar. his dad? Yeah, I've played with his dad. Yeah. His dad was uh, his, is Dave Koontz, and he's still playing. And his his big gig of his career was he, he spent a lot of years with George Shearing, like right after um, Joe Pass left the gig. Oh, wow. And uh, he he did that gig for a long time. But Dave yeah. Dave Koontz is a really tasty, great jazz player. In There's the, some in shoes to fill there, right? Joe no Pass? shit, yeah. yeah. Or maybe right after Ron Anthony. Maybe it was Joe Pass, Ron Anthony, Dave Koontz. But I think Dave did it between those two guys. Right. You know, real classic 50s, early 60s, ES-175, Jim yeah. Hall, Joe Pass jazz, you know. Yeah. That's Dave's just so great at that. Wow. And so Larry grew up in that household, fucker. <laughs> and then, uh, and, and I mean, his first guitar teacher was Jimmy Weibel, because Dave and Jimmy were buddies. So, wow. You know, it's like... At what he, age did... Larry should have his own union. You know, yeah. I, we shouldn't be in... We shouldn't have to compete with guys like right. this. How old's, how old's Larry? I think Larry's in his 50s. And when did he start playing? Probably. Oh, I'm sure he started playing when he was like really five, yeah. seven, you know. Fuck, man. 11. Yeah, growing up around it like that. I mean, that, we'll, we'll yeah. get him on and we'll ask him. You yeah, know? I'd love to know And then more. we can kind of figure out a way to get his hand caught in the doors. 
Wow, man. Well, it sounds like a really great trip. Now, you told me we went and had sushi before we were doing the podcast. You were talking about how you and Larry sat down and kind of well, gave yeah, each yeah, other a yeah, lesson. I mean, it was, it, it was, it was, I don't know why. It wasn't that hard for me, but it took some, some testi- t- testicular fortitude <laughs> to, um, at some point, we're just sitting there. And of course, there, we were probably into our beyond the first cocktail. And uh, I just said, Larry, you know, we just played some stuff. And I said, Larry, I'd like to take a lesson with you. <laughs> you know, I'll pay you for it. Yep. You know, and he looked at me. And he said, well, I wanted to take a lesson with you. I just didn't know how to ask. So, so we just decided that the next day, you know, like whatever time, we just got together like 1 o'clock. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, and we kind of gave each other a lesson. I mean, we knew exactly what we wanted to ask each other about. Right. It was very, I was very clear about, I could hear what he's doing, and I know what it is, but I wanted to get more inside where it comes from. Like why. And, yeah, yeah. And, and who inspired it, and what I should listen to to find it, and you know, and like, what the uses for it, he thinks are, you know, and I mean, that's those questions. Right. And pretty much that's what he was interested in me. Yeah. And also ways of presenting those ideas to students because we both have teaching gigs. Yeah, and we we did it. I think we started one or two or something. We were by six o'clock. We decided to go out and get cocktails. I mean, we spent a long time. Wow. And I wrote down a bunch of stuff. Yep. I've got a bunch of notes. So what 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 did you ask Larry? What was well, there's this in particular <clears throat> about Larry. I mean. All the obvious stuff, and I, and if you, if the listeners don't know Larry Kuntz is playing, I suggest you just go check it out. There's, I'm sure there's plenty on YouTube, and he's on lots of records. He's got some of his own records out too. Um, there's a sound to his voicings that are very not unique to him, but of, of unique to the modern jazz guitars of certain guys, mm-hmm. and and I really believe he was inspired by Joe DiOrio, who was his teacher in college, who I'm now, I've got that position yep. I took over for. There's just a sound to his voicings, and what, what, it, what it obviously is to me is it's a voicing, maybe it's, let's say it's three or four notes, and usually in the middle of the voicing there's a very close voicing, and then at the top of the voicing the last note is spread away from it. So it's got this kind of weird sound as if, like, your hand is, you know, five feet big. Right. It's got that sound. It's like the range thing is just like, or pianistic, you know, like you have two hands on the fretboard. And, um, you know, I know how to make those voices, but I just wanted to get inside, you know, where they come from, how he works them out, uh, when when he voice leads through songs. How he, you know, how he kind of does that, you yeah. know what I mean? Now, as you're talking, Bruce, I'm grabbing a guitar because Scott isn't here. Oh, okay. Could you just give us an example of that. Well, like, yeah, sure, I could give you an example, sure. I'm giving you, you know. my 1972 to 28 Martin. Okay. Okay, so like something like where, you know, if it's a three note voicing, let's say you've got an A7, right? Right. You want the third and the flat nine next to, in the plus nine next to each other. 
you know that? It's like, it's how it sounds like almost my hand's real big. That kind of a sound, you know, like he'll, he'll do a minor chord, a B flat minor that's got like, you know, and you can hear how, how big that sounds. Or like a, a G7 13 where he'll he'll even double, he'll use a double note. Oh, sorry, my snaps are rattling. Of course, I got to be at the bottom. That, right. But I'm, it's really, I'm hearing G. You hear how big that sounds? Yeah. Because there's just like this, the top note is, is, is really, really special. A far away from the rest of the yeah, sound, standing out. and then there's some cluster stuff happening underneath it. He says, you know, a lot of it came from Bill Evans, which is true, I'm sure, but a lot of it came from Joe DiOrio, you know. Mm -hmm. and, and he's just got, and then you know, we like took a tune like "All Things You Are" or something, and we just voiced our way through it with those kinds of voicings, you know. Yeah. And uh, and it really, you know, if you listen to his playing. Stands out. I mean, I can hear that, and I just really wanted to get inside, like, okay, what are you looking for here? You know, I mean, if you were going to play and, and have that sound, what would you do? I mean, I knew those voicings, but I didn't, you know, know exactly the philosophy behind yeah. it. Yeah, is it for Larry, is it um, maybe a question for him, but is it a conscious decision to play and go in that direction of those voicings? I, I think now it is. Right. I think now he knows, you know, I mean, he could play the voicings other voicings yeah and he does yeah he doesn't always play those yeah, voices but he um, he knows but, it's but that's that's his go-to thing harmonic sense okay wow and it's really cool yeah yeah so i really kind of dug deep with it and i like we went through songs you know and voice you know and i've asked him would you do this or this you know and he said well i they're both good but i'd do this probably and, you yeah. know because it leads to this i go okay you know <coughs> And it was really <coughs> enlightening. Like I say, even though I knew what it was, just to hear where it was coming from right. gave me a whole different perspective on it. It's not actual, what he's doing is like why yeah. and how is he thinking and how did, to, how did he get to that point? <coughs> right, right, right. I mean, as a teacher or as a student, you really don't want to know what the guy's doing. You want to, you want to know... You don't want to know what he's playing. You want to know how he figured it out, how he learned it. Right. Because if you can get to that part of it, then you've, you've been... It's like the old, you know, the, give a man a fish, feed him for a day, give him, you know, teach him how to fish, feed him for a lifetime, you know that. Yeah. It's kind of that... That thing. It's, it's, it's metaphorically the same thing. Like, don't learn the lick, learn why. Yeah, learn the concept. Learn how he learned it. Yeah. Okay, and how did he get to that? Now, what did, what did he ask you? What was he? Well, you know, he, a lot of he was very interested in was the way I can just like expand into uh, multiphonics. You know, like I'll be playing a line, and then all of a sudden, chords happen, or or uh, group two two note, you know, double stops happen. You mm -hmm. know, and how how first of all, his questions were how to technically do it. You know, seamless. You know. And then also conceptually, where does it come from, mm -hmm. you know? And so uh, basically, you know, for me, it's all about melody, like, and then texture. 
which became a big, which is a big band thing. You know, like you, you'll hear a horn section go, and when they get to that last note, then all of a sudden a chord rings out, like the horns will voice, but they're playing unison till that, almost till the end there, or right. maybe a little pyramid. Yeah. That's then. There's two notes. Then da. There's three, and then d is five. You know what I mean? Oh, okay. And and so that's where a lot. I mean, it comes from at least sonically to my ear and piano players do it but when they do it they're copying big bands too mm. so um it but it's all about use of the melody and strong rhythm and phrasing it you know yeah. and and then i showed there's like default ways if, if moving chords are happening you've got certain voices you can always rely on if you just don't hear a voicing <coughs> that's going to work in the motion. You want to be parallel, like diminished chords are great. There's certain altered chords are great. Fourth stacks really work. They all have a distinct sound, but you learn those distinct sounds and you can kind of use them as passing, just like you use chromatics as passing. To, I mean, yeah. they don't really belong to the chord, but they lead to a chord tone, so they're strong. Um, voicings that, that are not particularly declarative of the chord they are, are really good in those passing situations. Yeah. Because you don't just hear, oh, wait a minute, that's a <clears throat> da, 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 major chord there. You know, it's like, a, it's kind of a moving group that then establishes itself when you arrive. And of course, at the arrival tone, you wouldn't play a diminished chord, probably. You'd, you'd play whatever the chord needs to be yeah. featuring that note. So <clears throat> I kind of showed him just by doing, and, and then the few early things I figured out that kind of started me down the road of it. Right. Who was, did you have teachers that influenced that or was that more just you? Yeah, I mean, I guess Barney Kessel really yeah. was a guy who really, really, both through his playing and from hanging with him, influenced a lot yeah. of that. So it's kind of all the shit in between. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And so he was real interested in that. And he was also real interested in my melodic sense and the way like I embellish melodies and I really like to thematically develop things. And so he was asking kind of my philosophies about that and exercises I gave students mm -hmm. to encourage them to do that. Yeah. It was a lot of fun. That's good. We played like Saints Go Marching In for half an hour, <laughs> which is, you know, a really simple song. But it's a really great song for using all those techniques. Right, to take it First to of all, embellishing the melody. Second of all, like playing riffs in the key. Mm -hmm. Third of all, taking uh, motifs and working them through the harmony. And, yep. you know. So we did that a lot. It was really great. Yeah. It was just really great to sit and talk to him. I mean, <clears throat> I felt like I really got a lesson. It was just enlightening. Did, it, did he want his money back? No, no, he didn't want any money, but we did, we did, we did spend some afterwards. <laughs> to the, is that going to be out of break? I'll have to figure it out. You can do it. Um, wow, it sounds like a great trip. It was, it was. Um, yeah, and he's just a, just the most generous guy and caring. Uh, we ended up with a van and I ended up being the driver. <laughs> a bunch of college kids on tour. <laughs> no, I mean, you know, I mean, I guess the guy, you know, Roger, really didn't want to hire a guy to drive us around and put a, you know. Yeah. And and I, I've driven over in Scotland and in England, 
and had driven in New Zealand before. Uh, our side of the road. Yeah, the wrong side of the road. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I, I was conscripted to do a lot of driving. It was fine, right? Jumping on the front. Yeah, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm okay as long as there's other cars around. <laughs> as soon as like the roads are completely empty, it's problematic. I don't know where to be. There's no reason to be anywhere, yeah. and so I go to where I normally go. Right. Uh, and only once on this tour, this usually happens more often, I went to get in the car and I got in on the wrong <laughs> side. <laughs> I still do it. Yeah. I still do it. I have moments, and I've had my license in America longer than I've had it in Australia. Now. Yeah. And I've had moments where I've turned a corner and been on the wrong side of the road <coughs> here in America and seen cars come towards me and then realize, what the <coughs> f*** are you doing? Yeah, yeah. And then jump over. Well, I have a mantra. <laughs> What's the mantra? <coughs> over in New Zealand or in Scotland, it's, it's just, I go, tight left, wide right. Tight left, wide right. Tight left, so if you make a left turn there, you you hug the curb, and if and if you're going to make a right turn, you go wide, you go way out. Oh, see, that's the, I'd I'd be crashing the car while I'm saying that. Really? I I just I need to be near the line. The line's got to be right there. Right, but right? you know, if you're going to make that because that's the problem is like with the right turn in America, you 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 hug the curb. You yeah. know, that's the thing. Yeah, and that's the opposite of you know. So wide right, wide right, you go way out there to do it. You know, and in a lot of the cities, they have those blue arrows signs. Yeah. To let you know what part you're supposed to be. You know, there's like a there's a post in the middle, and there's like the blue arrow that says, "No, you're here, you're yeah, here." Yeah. But you know, you get out in the rural areas. No, you're just on your own. You know. <laughs> and um, why the fuck did we do that? And, and I don't know who who thought of that. I mean, I'd really like to find out who thought of. Hey, let's like over here. Let's just drive on this side. Well, why metrical, metric and imperial? <coughs> I know th that too, but that's even more understandable. I mean, <laughs> yeah, it's just like cars were invented not too long ago. I mean, was it like maybe when 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 like people were walking? I mean, I do notice when I'm walking down the street in New Zealand. Also, I kind of get in trouble because I like if I'm if if you're coming at me, I go to the right. And they do too, <laughs> because of the way you drive. Yeah. You know, I mean. Yeah. So maybe that way—that's what caused this whole driving on the other side thing. Um, it wasn't because the toilet goes around the wrong way. Well, that's true. But the toilet goes our way in in England and Scotland and Ireland. Yeah, that's true. I don't know why we do. But that. Japan also is on the wrong side. Yeah, of the we're on, they're on the wrong side too. It's really weird that who the fuck knows. I know. It's, um, I'm sure a lot of people. But I mean, I'll tell you, the day one of the happiest days of the tour was the day I turned the rental car in, <laughs> and I hadn't, <laughs> I hadn't, face. I hadn't hit anything or anybody. It was like it was really, it was almost like you know, <laughs> I don't know. Did you did you getting a BJ or you know or like <laughs> you know <laughs> kind of thing, I, kind of thing, the pill kicking in vibe, you know? Did you run into many guitar wing fans? Yes, I did run into a bunch, and I handed out a bunch of picks. Awesome. There was a guy in Palmerston North. <laughs> He's listening now. I hope he is, because he had a guitar wank cap. He had a cap? Yes. So you must have sent one I to New Zealand. Sent, I think I have sent this. Yeah. Wow. How cool. Do you remember his I did, name? I, no, I don't remember his name, but we did, one of the gigs we did was this was in this town called Palmerston North. That's fucking awesome. 
Um, it's kind of a farm center, you know, agricultural center. In the south of the North Island, about an hour and a half north of Wellington, the center. And there's this guitar player there named Kevin Downing. He's a good guitar player. And he's like this amazing force. He has all these students. And like half the town plays guitars because of him. I Is mean, he a Tony Clever he, vibe? Yeah, totally. Yeah. Totally. He's one of the, he's like, he's, he's, and for 30 years they've been having this, this concert. And I've got, you know, I have some five guitar arrangements and stuff and ensemble stuff. And he's written a bunch and other people do. And he's got it, the book, and he's got like 30 people. So it's like like six, four or five people. I don't know, maybe it's 20, but four or five people on every part. Wow. And a bass and drums. Yep. And they put this big concert on in the theater. And so they did a show, and then Larry played one song with him. He played Walk, Don't Run. And I played this blues written by this guy in Ohio, Chris Buzelli. Uh, and you know, took was the featured soloist with the with the you know forty piece guitar band. Oh, you know. how fantastic! And it was so cool sounding. And and uh, and then we played a concert after. You know, yeah. we were this we were the next set. So yeah. I did like twenty minutes, and Larry did twenty or thirty, and then we finished off the night together. Right. But this guy Kevin Downing, you know, and, and in that band, one of the guys in that big guitar orchestra had the hat. <laughs> I applaud that man. Yes. That's fantastic. And unfortunately, I didn't always have picks with me to give everybody. So, uh, But I did leave them around. Right. So they're they're circulating throughout circulating. New Zealand. And you saw a uh, mate, Nick? Oh, yeah. Nick Granville's doing great. Yeah. I heard him play. He played a show as part of the Wellington Jazz Festival with a really great trombone player <coughs> from here in L.A., a guy named Francisco Torres. Mm-hmm. Great trombone player and they did a really cool quartet gig in a church and Nick's doing great he's teaching at the university and he's playing every show that comes through town you know right. he's just he can do anything yep. and I actually uh, sat in on his gig in Palmerston North uh, both Larry and I did we kind of crashed his gig yep. and there's a like you I've, you've seen it you know i I played, I and he had a pedal board, so I couldn't help but stomp on a few things while I was playing. I, I have the video, and I think it should be posted, because it's, it's like, like I said to you, it's like seeing a, a Yeti or a Bigfoot. Uh-huh. Bruce Foreman on a, with a pedal board. But then you effects. realize why, because he should never do it? <laughs> is it that bad? No, I thought it was fantastic. I was just like, it's confusing to the ear and the eyes, because you're like, you're hearing something that you don't normally hear come from you, like. Bruce with an Octavia. Yeah, yeah. I did have an octave box, and then I did hit the the fuzz box too at some point. It's fa- I, I, I seem to remember that. Did I hit anything? I don't think I hit anything else. I wanted to, but you, you cleaned it up pretty quick. But <coughs> yeah. I, yeah, I could have done more with all of the effects. Really? Yeah. I, I, I hope I didn't it. play too long. It wasn't a long table. No, it was short. It was good, short and sweet. Good, good. But it was great. You were having fun in the crowd. Yeah. But right. Well, it was. It was just one of those days. You're drinking and you're hanging out at your friend's gig, and and then you. Larry got up and he played, uh, God, I think it was You Don't Know What Love Is, really beautiful version of it, you know, and real real harmonic and jazzy. Yep. And then, then I sat in and all hell broke loose. <laughs> 
It looked like a lot of fun. Well, I had a great time. What are you kidding? You know, I mean, give me a guitar and a pedal board, and <laughs> I'm happy. <coughs> the man, the man speaks. He's getting a Dumble lamp. That's fucking love it. But yeah, if you want to post it, I, I won't hate you for it. You right. know. Well, we'll, well, we might do that. Um, what is the latest with Dumble? You well, delivered. I've people, delivered. Okay, the before people, you pe- left, people already know, right? Well, yeah, Don't people they? already know, but before you <coughs> left, you posted a picture <coughs> right. of the deluxe. <coughs> right, the deluxe. Okay. You can't, you can't, like, track from a picture where it was taken, can you? Uh, who would bother? Actually, Dumble. <laughs> no, I don't. Because, dig this. I said, you know, Alexander, I, the day I left, right. Sunday, I, you know, the flights to New Zealand are in the evening. So the day I left, I brought him the Vibrolux. Right. And I told him I was playing with Robin. I mean, I, I thought I thought we were all going to play together. It didn't work out that way. But, um, and Lydia Pence. Well, it turns out he, Alex, Alexander, just like all of us, had a kind of a crush on Lydia. She's just this beautiful woman. Yeah. Like, she's about four foot tall and sings like Janis Joplin. You oh, know? wow. Yeah. You know, just big voice. Wow. And, um, and... And he kind of admitted, you know, he too, you know. So I, I, uh, I sent him a picture, right, of me and Lydia, yep. over there, and he his response was, "You must be close to the s- ocean, because it says you're at four foot altitude. I guess there's there's properties to oh, photos okay. when you send them, mm-hmm. because it says you're at four foot. Your altitude is four foot, and it's like." I said, yeah, well, we were. Like, we were literally... <laughs> across the right? Across the street from the beach. Yeah. <clears throat> you know, but the town we were in was Napier, which is this amazing town. It's on the uh, east coast of New Zealand, <clears throat> Northern Ireland, Hawke's Bay District. Uh, one of its claim to fames is the movie On Green Dolphin Street. Oh, okay. Was came from... The, that story came was filmed... It happened in Napier. Yep. Another is it had a devastating earthquake in the late 20s. Leveled the town. Wow. And they rebuilt it, and that was the Art Deco period. So all the buildings, or most of the buildings, are Art Deco. <laughs> and it's become the Art Deco capital of the world. Wow. So much so that every year in February, their winter, mm-hmm. they have these things called Deco Days, and people, like, ship old cars and all sorts of shit over just to be there for the weekend or the week <coughs> wow. for deco days yeah. i mean it's it's really amazing it's an amazing city you know that's cool yeah how big is it napier i don't know 30,000 40,000 right, people so it's pretty small really. yeah very small yeah and they also have this thing a possum <laughs> what? they got possums there and uh, well, there's this sh- shop called the Opossum World, and um, the possums they have, I think, are Australian possums, not the American possums. Right, possums in America are ugly as shit. Yeah, and they and they really provide a great service in America. I don't know if you know this, but they they? They, eat, they eat ticks. Well, they eat ticks and fleas and all sorts of bad bugs. Yeah, they're they're like. They're, 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 they're real. They're really a helper. Yeah, you should. You shouldn't kill them. You okay. shouldn't be afraid of them. You want them around. Okay, 
Cause they're not going to get in your shit. They're not going to come in your house. They're going right. to stay. You know, they're not going to bite you. They're, you know, it's like they're as ugly as shit. They are ugly. Yeah, possums are cute. They're as hell. cute as hell. Well, they got somebody introduced them to New Zealand. They ate practically all the kiwis. <laughs> no, this is true. Yeah, I know. And and so <laughs> there's this eradication thing. But these possums have this amazing fur. Yep. That they mix with merino wool. Oh no! They and make the, the most amazing socks or scarves or, <laughs> or mittens. No, really? Oh man! They're killing our possums. You got to. You they got to. <laughs> oh, because they had too many. Yeah. Oh well, no. You got to. They're they're completely eradicating the natural ecosystem. Oh just right. Total, so gotta, these right. are nasty fuckers, and so um, <clears throat> but this one, <laughs> this one little shop. They used, they moved. They, in the old days, you could go, and, and it was like an interactive exhibit where you had a, a gun, <laughs> not a real gun, a, you know, like a light gun, mm -hmm. and you go out in the jungle, and you'd shoot possums, like they'd pop up, and you'd shoot them, and you'd get points for it. It was like a kind of an arcade game, but, <laughs> right. but on a big scale. Yep. <laughs> now they've moved into a new place, and they can't do the shooting range anymore. Um <laughs> But but these these this stuff is just like you know if if you if if your feet get cold like when it's cold and stuff mm -hmm. like you go to sleep with these socks they're like cashmere but warmer wow it's great shit Should order, can you order so that's something? Napier yeah possum world I think they call it opossum yeah put just put possum socks or something <laughs> in it and you, you you'll get it <laughs> no I mean this is this is shit you learn when so, you go around the world right and so no good me shooting possums here and making socks out of them no these no these these are, these <laughs> these are like bald you know this is yeah, like right. me <laughs> three or four hairs on top of their head you know this is not happening possums here look like the, they're like pretty the funky devil. looking they're yeah yeah ugly shit. so you didn't see any ta um kiwi birds no, they're very and they're not extinct, they're but they're rare, right? very rare. Right? You, did you see any sheep? Man, they're like maggots <laughs> everywhere, <laughs> and they look like I mean, no, you know, sheep are cute close up, but yeah. if you see a like a hillside full of sheep, sheep. from a distance, it looks like maggots. maggots yeah. yeah, that's what I call them. Yeah, maggots. <laughs> and uh, yes, I saw them close up too. They're not really friendly. No. You'd think they'd be more friendly. I mean, from what I hear from New Zealand. But right. anyways. They but, can be bad. Yeah. No, I saw a lot of sheep. There's a lot of dairy there, although they're in a, they're having a problem with that right now. There's really? some sort of like uh, disease going through oh, them, the cows, right. and they have to cull a bunch of them. It's so horrible. Right. And farmers are just going broke and yep. stuff. The, the dairy there is unbelievable. The, really? the butter... The cheese, the milk, yeah. the cream. I mean, the the grass is so... It's like Ireland or Scotland. Yeah. The yeah. grass is just so full of chlorophyll and, you know, nutrients. So, so their milk they're making is just so full of so that not, flavor. They're not fucking it up like they're here. No, no, no. They're not... It's not industrial farming on that yeah. level. They're actually eating grass. They don't need to feed them hay or yeah. alfalfa or whatever. Um, and the same with the horses. The horses are so happy there. Yeah. Because it's like clover, you know. Wow. And uh, it may even be clover. I don't know. But that's it's a whole different thing. And the eggs there, the yolks are colors that, you know. Different, isn't it? Totally different. That's amazing. What are we getting fed here? Well, <coughs> industrial farming, you know, is industrial food. And that's really what it comes down to, you know. Um. 
Did you say? Did you say any? Not that I'm an expert on it. That was just a guess. Yeah. You know, <laughs> that's what a mean? good guess. I think you're pretty much close to it. Did you run into many Maoris down there, like see any Maoris performing? Yes, I heard Maoris performing. They have a Maori channel on the TV, so I generally kind of watch that a lot more than the other channels on the TV. And, and, and they're, they're such a wonderful singing culture. Now, now Harmon is, harmonies and... This is interesting. I wonder why this is. Because in Australia, I mean, we've got the Aboriginal culture, and they're... You know, they got their thing and they do their thing, but they're not... Like, I grew up in Australia with Maoris, and they were just ridiculously... Vocally and musicianship was just off the planet. They were always right. so talented. I think it's more of a Polynesian thing. Right. The Australian I mean, Aboriginals they're not, don't they're have not that. Like, they're, not like the, they're not Hawaiian, you know, but there's a, but Hawaiians, too, have that they similar have that too, thing. Right? Yep. The, the, they sing a lot in their culture... That's a big part of their storytelling. Yeah. Um, they've adapted the Western instruments far yeah. more. Like, you know, the Aboriginals still with didgeridoo and stuff like that. And they so, kill on the didgeridoo. Yeah. I mean, so <laughs> so I think, you know, in many ways, it's probably because of our Western aesthetic that we can relate to how beautiful their thing is. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I mean, because I, I really, in my heart, I believe every culture has just beautiful music Yeah, it's just, it. yeah, I think you nailed it on the head. It's like we can relate. Yeah, they're just so fucking musical. We had a guy back in our hometown, Pinky DePar. He was like our George Benson. And he was he was that good at everything. Vocals, there's this guitar. Blues guy, there's this blues guy in Palmerston North. He's called Bullfla- Bullfrog Rata. Bullfrog, where was this? R-A-T-A. He's, I've known him for... 25 years right. he's like the king of uh, of Palmerston North <coughs> and he go, plays around the country but yeah. he, he, I'm almost positive he's a Maori guy and he's great man. soulful big voice everything's easy for him to do yeah. never never sweats anything never sweats anything it's funny, you think about all the people that have made it and then all the people that, there's so many, like, I see, there's probably a handful of guitarists and it maybe it's just my, it's probably just my Facebook feed that I see all the time that people idolize and blah, 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 but there's, you know there's other guys out there that are just world class that you'll never hear of, oh, as yeah. in the main stage. Right, right, well, yeah, that's, you know, but that's, you know, to me, that's been the most rewarding part of traveling. Mm. Is, and look, everywhere I go, I know I'm going to run into somebody that's going to just blow my mind. Yeah, yeah. It's just, I know it. It's, it's like happens all, all the time. time so yeah. I know that it's going to happen. Yeah. yeah, I mean, you go to L.A., you, you, know, you bump into somebody on the street and they're badass. <clears throat> it's not the case maybe in some of these smaller areas. But there is somebody there that's going to change your world. Yeah, yeah. And I really, I think that celebrates humanity and the community of music. You know, that's kind of what we're about here. Yeah. You know, just sharing stuff with each other. Because there's really, yeah, I totally agree with you, man. You know. And, but then again, you know, guitar playing. Guitar playing is great, but... So when it goes beyond that to music or entertainment or 
you add singing or you know what I mean that that it really starts to ramp up the you know what I mean the you know what I mean there's like a <clears throat> there's a humanity to the to the bigger picture stuff yeah yeah and when it, it gets beyond beyond the if it's just the nerd, nerd, the nerdy you know and, working yeah. the axe you yeah. know it's like okay yeah you're better than that guy whoop de doo <laughs> yeah, you know but you know that what yeah so yeah but then you hit, someone writes a song that just right. becomes a classic and right or, or a guy like Robin who like you know unmistakably could have just played that whole concert mm. yet in his mind what he wanted to present was something bigger so he wasn't you said he wasn't sh- he, like he taking played, long no, solos he, he played right and um, but the solos I heard he would kind of play and he'd kind of start to play some of those amazing jazz lines that he plays and he'd just kind of bring it right back to blues playing. He, yeah. you know, he never really allowed it to exist for more than a bar yeah. or two. And then he never took a solo. Like another thing about Robin that I love is how masterful he is at building a solo. Mm. You know what I mean? You give him like three minutes and he can take it from like nothing happening until the roof comes off. Right. And there were no extended forays in the whole set. Yeah. There was some cool interaction with people, like he did like a duet with the saxophone where they traded fours and stuff. And he took some solos that were just kind of like interludes between the other solos and his vocals. <coughs> but there weren't any of those trademark big, you know, epic guitar solos that he can take yeah that what that didn't happen hmm and you know i mean personally i would have preferred it but but i'm not gonna hear sit here and tell him he'd probably tell me the same goddamn thing when he heard the red guitar you know it's just like why are you talking so much (laughs) yeah just play that thing yeah well that's cool man that sounds like i don't really i don't really know or think that he likes my playing Never really got that feeling from him. You know what I mean? I just didn't. But it's okay. It doesn't matter what he thinks. Well, why would you... Just wh- talking to him, I just never... You don't get that feeling. You know well, you, you know, you can tell when a guy digs your shit and, and doesn't. I mean, I think he likes me and we, he res- definitely respects me. I know right. that. But I don't think he digs my shit. <coughs> and I'm cool Because you're that. more traditional. I don't know. Well, I don't know. I, I wouldn't say that at all. I mean, right. I'm not going to put words in his mouth. Right. Just don't get a genuine feeling. He's not effusive with me the way I am with him. Was well, he um, seen you play? Yeah, he, he just heard me play. He came to a red guitar show. I did come to red guitar. Thing. Yeah, yeah. And uh, and he also came to that gig that I did with Larry, where it was just playing jazz in the clubs. You right. Know. So he's heard me. You know, yeah. And he's heard me with Roger Kellaway because we both play with Roger. Right. So, you know, I just don't think he's really in, into what I do. And that's totally cool. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's like a, I'm not looking for his approval. No, well. I mean, I know, he, I really feel he respects me, though. Yeah. You know, when we hang out, I don't feel there's any. Right. Looking down on me or anything. No. But of course, like, of course, we're all like fucking insecure. Yeah. So maybe if we were to sit here, he'd go like, God, I love your play. He's like, really? You know, well, if you, you know, if you're excited, notify your face. You know, kind of. <laughs> <laughs> well, what, what is it about guitar players? We want approval from other guitar players. 
We want approval from everything. Well, we do want approval from everything, but like you get it's validation, baby. We're not. We're yeah. insecure. That's what it is. We're just insecure. Yeah. <coughs> I mean, I admit it. You know, the the red guitar. This, I'm almost beginning to think that there's a purpose for this show in my life, mm-hmm. and that, like, I did it. Three. I mean, of the full red guitar thing, I did did it three times over the last week over there and every time I did it now granted these are Kiwis you know they're <laughs> British Kiwis. British British subjects of sorts right yeah. you know um, and I did that show man and I'll swear to I'll, I'll, I'll swear to you man while I was doing it it felt like I was dying Troy what, you it felt like I mean, like I'm looking at these faces, and they couldn't look more bored. If you know, I mean, remind made me, made, made me sort of like uh, long like, for the days when people could smoke, right? So you know, like because when you when you when people smoked, you actually um, you could see that they were alive because it'd be like an orange ember at the end. You know, when they every time they took a puff, right? You know, and. Uh, these people just looked like, I mean, and and in every show, I thought to myself, you know, I think I need to stop doing this. I think I need to come up with a new project. This just isn't going anywhere. And of those three shows, I have never gotten a rousing ovation like I've gotten with them. Wow. At the end, it was standing ovation, screaming, whooping, hollering. Hands above head, clapping. And I'm like thinking to myself, why was I... S- first of all, the, th- the first thing I thought was, are these the same people? <laughs> and then after that, I thought like, why was I so worried about all this? You know. And then I'm realizing, maybe this is the lesson I need to learn. Because I am an entertainer. And you know, being in the world of music where it's so instantaneous, you see people boogie, you see all this shit. You yeah. know what I mean? You get quick a quick response, you know, and I'm so wired for that. <clears throat> and now I'm basically doing theater. And people who sit in theaters don't kind of relate like they do in a nightclub no, or, a, or a music club. So <clears throat> I think maybe this show is like teaching me this final lesson of life, which is like, do you believe in yourself? Do you believe in what you're doing? Do it fully to the best you can do it, and don't worry about that. Let that be their thing. So, and and it's a, I mean it's a Zen thing, it's a maturity thing. There's a lot of shit to learn there, and obviously I'm not there yet. Maybe never, but I mean I'm I'm almost thinking that I've almost put this obstacle in my way to learn this lesson before I check out. You know. It, it amazes me and it also makes me very happy that <clears throat> like after doing this show with you and Scott I mean you and Scott are, as guitar players are two of my heroes and a lot of our listeners heroes and to hear you guys talk like you're as insecure as any one of us which is ridiculous to all of us and I'm sure you've met your mentors where they've opened up and they've they've showed oh, yeah. that side too, right? Yeah, sure. 
And you've thought, what the fuck? You play amazing. Why the fuck would you be insecure? And that is that just part of the road we're on? <coughs> I think, yes, music is too big. How could anybody be good enough to, to, be, to not be insecure? I mean, Coltrane was searching. That, that's the thing that you feel in his music is like he's looking for things. It's not like he's got anything. Mm-hmm. There's a guy that's got plenty, but it's like nothing to do with that. You know, it's like, and I'll guarantee, and the way he practiced as much as he did, I'm guaranteeing that's a lot of that's driven by his, just his feeling he's not making it. Mm. It's just, it's beauty, it's the beauty of music. G'day ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening to another Guitar Wank podcast. I hope you enjoyed this uh, episode with me and Bruce. We've got some really cool one, uh, episodes coming up next. Um, I'm coming to you live from Nashville, Tennessee. I'm in Nashville for a bit over a week. So I'm, I'm actually posting the Guitar Wank episode on um, mobile. Uh, so yeah, so we're, we're trying to get it up to you guys well, that didn't sound right, did it? I'm trying to get it up. No, you know what I mean. I'm trying to get the podcast up <laughs> to post to you guys so we can get it out there. It's late here in Nashville. I'm hoping to catch up with a bunch of guitar wankers in Nashville. If you're in Nashville, please reach out. I'd love to catch up with you. I'm going to catch up with my friend Val and hopefully Michael and uh, a bunch of other cats while I'm here. There's so much talent here. And hoping to do a bunch of interviews while I'm here as well. Um... But yeah, a big shout out to all the people in Nashville, all our listeners. Thank you so much for listening. Remember, if you haven't got a cap, what the hell are you doing with your life? You need a guitar wank cap. It'll improve your social skills, improve your uh, your life and your health. So go to guitarwank.com, get a cap. If you don't want a cap, you can get a t-shirt or a mug. Your mum probably needs a guitar wank mug. I mean, come on. She put up with all your practice in all those years. She needs a Guitar Wank mug. Pay her back. Go buy a Guitar Wank mug. Um, And buy a t-shirt. So go to guitarwank.com. You can do all that. We are still accepting people for the Guitar Wank competition. I am hounding Bruce. I knew this would happen. Uh, He he came up with the idea. There was no way I was going to touch this competition thing. This is all on him. Uh, Anyway, so... We're still the game show. We're still accepting people for that. So keep submitting and uh, keep doing the three things that you need to do. Go to iTunes, leave a review or Stitcher, leave a review wherever you can for a Guitar Wank. Uh, sign up on the website at the subscribe at guitarwank.com and then send us an email at guitarwank at gmail.com and tell us that you did all that and why you love the show and you will go in the running for prizes. We are giving prizes away every single show, I think starting next week. <laughs> not, not this show, because you're, I know you're thinking there, you're sitting there thinking, hang on a second, you didn't give shit away this episode. No, next week. <laughs> As from next week on, every episode we will be giving a uh, a prize away, and we already well the prize for next week's show has already been drawn. 
So uh, we will be contacting that person and letting them know. Anyway, just fucking tune in every episode. If, you, if you've done all those things, you're in the running and you will be up for prizes and we're going to just keep giving prizes away until we run out and hopefully we don't run out and uh, we, we just keep giving prizes away. I think that would be really cool. Um, yeah, so that's about it. Anyway, so be safe. Look, if, look after each other. Oh, remember, a um, couple of things. If you're in Los Angeles for this coming Friday, uh, Troy Dexter is playing at Vitalo's in Studio City. Troy's not only a great friend of mine, but a f- fucking monster guitar player. The guy plays like butter. He's such a an amazing cat and uh, super guitar player. Great songwriter. Go check him out. Vitello's killer band. The guy's amazing and very underrated guitarist. You should know who this guy is. He's so great. Um, and also Bruce is coming to Chicago if you didn't see the post he's coming to the Chicago between Sunday the 24th and Friday the 29th he has off he's got nothing on so if you have a house or a music store or somewhere where you could put on a red guitar show make it happen man like Put it together. Bruce will come and play, and uh, he's up for lessons and doing clinics out there. He's got like four or five days of doing nothing, so let's keep the man busy. This is a great opportunity to put a house concert together. Um, as you know, I've done it in the Prohibition Studios a bunch of times. It's just a great night. Just get a bunch of people together, charge a little bit at the doors, put some booze on and then let Bruce do his thing and you'll have a fantastic night. So if you're interested in doing that, please contact us at guitarwank at gmail.com. Make it happen and it'll be really killer. And I know Bruce would love to just get out there and meet some locals and have a great time. So uh, there you go. That's about it. All right, I'm going to spend the rest of the week trying to catch up with um, some killer players here. Hopefully do a couple of interviews while I'm out here and... um, yeah, until next week, stay tuned. Thank you for all your support and um, up your bum. Have a good night.